welcome to this evening's edition of Friday Night Drunken Trivia, the only radio show with a consolation prize is getting drunk. Uh, now, before we get started, we must remind everyone that in order to play, you have to be 21 years of age or older, which means that everyone who is playing is 21 years of age or older. Playing the game does not guarantee winning anything. Uh, we all agree to play on the honor system, which includes imbibing whenever one gives an incorrect answer, and that we promise not to use anything other than our brains in order to find the answers to any questions. All questions are found or written by the quizmaster herself and are not known to either contestant prior to the show. And remember, you cannot win if you aren't playing, so... If you're interested, head over to facebook.com slash drunken trivia, and we assume no responsibility whatsoever for any mischief or mayhem resulting from the drunken stupor you may or may not be in once the game is over. Um, Saucy? Yes, ma'am. Saucy, I have a new drink. And, what is, and I have to share me? with you. What's your new drink? Huh? Can you hear it, me? I call it, yes, I call it the low-carb monster lolly. Monster Lolly for short. Nice. And it's really, yeah, it's really easy to remember. See, I found this um, great vodka. It's called, uh, oh, crap. It's called, well, it's Lolly Flavor. And, uh, oh, it's called Viral. I had to look in the fridge. It's called Viral, and it's Lolly Flavor, and I mixed it with uh, Red Ultra Monster which is, like, sugar-free and carb-free, you know, because I'm all on a diet and stuff. So I have a carb-free Bev, and it's actually pretty darn good. Well, if like, there's I ever more a Friday vodka. night that we needed to drink, this is a Friday night after the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Although, last Friday night, and I have to tell a little bit of the story, last Friday night was fun. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, we um, we finally took a Valentine weekend, what have you, and we went to Lexington to see the Kentucky Magic Theater, which is this nifty little thing where there's a four-course dinner, and in between the courses is a magic show. And poor Saucy did not, just did not know. Just had no idea, even though I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, even though if it had... Yeah, because Harry Potter's real magic. I should have known from your infinity for Harry Potter. Well, not just that, but due to my love of anything supernatural, magic, uh, you know, ghosts, vampires, zombies, you name it, you know, had no idea that this would be totally right up my alley. But, You're almost yeah, a magic groupie. I think if you were single, you would have gone home with the magician. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I am I am a magic groupie. I, I probably am. I have to admit that. I'm a real the big magic groupie. have groupies? I need to look that up. That would be awesome if they had groupies. I think Houdini probably had a lot of groupies. I mean... Okay. That could be. Chris Angel definitely got groupies. I don't know if you call him a magician so much. Oh, yeah. But, well, okay, so let, let's be honest here. We went and had dinner at the Kentucky Magic Dinner Theater, which was wonderful, and uh, watched John, who uh, I 
don't know if he calls himself a magician because we missed the first 20 minutes of the show because we were lost and the uh, cabbie was an hour and a half late. By the way, never go to Lexington during a UK game. Never. Never Never enter the city. It is a fucking (laughs) madhouse. It was a nightmare. And then we ended up at the right hotel, and nobody knew what we were talking about. We're like, yeah, we're here to see this. It's a dinner where they do magic, and it's supposed to be really cool. And they're like, huh? They do what? And we're like, it's here in in this building. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. We're like, no, no, no. See, it's right here on the website. Here's the picture. Like, it's a magic football? Like, if it wasn't about football, yeah. they had no idea. What basketball punt. Oh, is it a ba- is UK basketball? See, that shows how much I yeah. know about sport. Oh, my God. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know anything but, about sport. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't even know if John would call himself a, a magician per se, but we, um, we did go and we watched Feats of Prestidigitation, and we nice. enjoyed a very nice meal. And hopefully and, John Shore will be coming on the show to battle me in trivia in a few weeks. Uh, yes, he's in Tokyo right now. Um, I hope he had a wonderful flight. I hope he catches the show or is catching the show. Hi, John. Um, yeah, it would totally be fun. We've got a super awesome idea. If you, if there's anybody out there, especially in or in the uh, Knoxville area or willing to travel to the Knoxville area, who is a huge, I, I don't even know, magophile. I, if you're a big, fat nerd like me, give me a buzz. I'm on Facebook, whatever. Just trust me. Give me a buzz. Um, All right. Well, let's, um, let's anyway. move this along. Uh, we've been off the air for two weeks, and it has been yeah. a brutal two weeks. I totaled my car. First time I've ever been in anything, but I had a couple little fender benders throughout my life. But I'm in my 40s. It's the first time I've ever been in an actual accident. And it was fucking it was horrific, terrifying. I almost got into a fist fight with one of the guys who wasn't even involved in the accident. And then I. And then our out. landlord saw it going by. And he, he asked me about it a couple of days later. He thought you'd been pulled over by the cops. And I was like, no, no, he was in a fender bender. And that was just, you know. And he was like, well, was he all right? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Well, the car was totaled. And well, it wasn't a fender smashed. bender. I mean, it was a smash Well, up. yeah. It, it, was, it um, was an accident. And then um, I was down with the flu for four days, out of work for a couple days because we got another snowstorm. We've had crazy weather out here. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, we went to Lexington, and we'll tell more about that story on the show Sunday on the Ignorance Equation. I will also tell the story Sunday. Everybody will want to tune into this how one of the neighbor, neighborhood kids actually broke into our house. They um, thought we weren't home, and I was still here. Everybody else was gone. He thought we weren't home, yeah. And I actually caught him down in the basement. He broke into our house to use our Internet connection. Maybe we should do a show on kids today. Broke into our house, but there's a crazy story behind it, and I will divulge that whole story Sunday yeah. when we have a little bit more time. Um, real quick before we log in, the impressive, the amazing Chris Novenbrino. Who do we have coming up the next few weeks on the Ignorance Equation? Um, because I'm sure you'll have difficulty with the pronunciation. Uh, this Sunday we're actually speaking with Lakota Elder and head of the Mini for Water Justice. That would be Ms. Candace Doshino. Um, We're also going to have Deidre Adri, Manuel Drum, and Claire Kaiser. 
and we are going to be discussing the very important, very, very uh, dangerous issue of fracking. Dire, eminent threat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something that you know most people just don't know enough about, and something that's going on right now and is changing our planet and not for the better. Um, this is something that could really, if we don't stop it, this will kill us. I mean, and really. the following I mean, Sunday? I, um, the following Sunday, we will have uh, Jeffrey, that'll be Jeffrey, I want to say Cabasariche. It's Greg. Uh, the author, I have Jeffrey. Okay, we well, have Greg? it written down wrong. It's, it's Greg. Isn't it? I don't have the book. I think it's Jeffrey. Um, he is the author of Rowan Rowan, which you've been reading and been thoroughly enjoying, from what I understand. Yeah, it's a book about the history of the Republican Party. But what's crazy about the book, especially going into the Goldwater years, is how similar the extremist conservative right was back. I thought this was a fairly new thing, but it's not. But we'll talk more about that next Sunday. And then the following Sunday, we're off, right, for St. Patty's Day? We'll be out of town? We expect to be out of town. We will probably be, probably be getting wild and crazy in Atlanta. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The following Sunday is the 9th. The following Sunday oh, is the 9th. Oh, that's right. We will have our Knights of the Political Roundtable starring mm-hmm. yours truly, my um, challenger for tonight, from Don't Worry About the Government, Chris Novembrino will be there. Jason Budd, who is my rocket scientist pal from Chicago, author of 2040 and 2041, Mike Bushman, and of course the Honey Badger. I wanted to gather together some of the smartest guys I know. You know, I always like to leave a room smarter than I entered it, so I'm definitely going to enjoy this. The following weekend the 16th. We will be off that weekend for St. Patty's Day weekend. The weekend after that, we will have Neo Burlesque Dancer, uh, or Burlesque Performer, I should say, Justin Sane from Canada on the show. Former contributor for HuffPost Live, Sarah Biggle. And And then then we'll go back to Charles Thompson. We'll be coming Mm -hmm. back, author of the United States Worth Saving, because I only got about halfway through. I have a feeling I'm going to have the same problem with... um, I, I really believe it's Greg, not Jeffrey. Maybe it is Jeffrey. I don't know. I, From the author it. of mm-hmm. Rule and Ruin. Um, I'm probably going to have a similar problem because i got about 40 things on here I want to talk to him about. But anyways, why don't you cue uh, in Chris, and let's get things started. He's been on hold for 10 minutes now. Nothing new going on. Um, check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Um, once again, even Steven, we released our album last year. It's on Amazon, Early Morning Punk Songs. Good evening, Dr. Nove. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, guys. I've got myself a little official ring announcer intro here, if I can play this for like 30 seconds. Definitely. Absolutely. Here we go. In this corner from Parts Unknown, standing 5'8", weighing in tonight in a felt 165 pounds. He is the host of Don't Worry About the Government, found at Don'tWorry.tv, and the co-host of the Bear Man Group, found at BearManRadio.com. He is your intercontinental champion of news, politics, and history. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Novembrino. 
it's a pleasure to be here tonight, guys. Thank you all so much for having me here. And I am happy to defend this title. I'm a fighting champion. Well, damn, I need you to do my intro. That's way better than what I've got going on. You know, the crazy part is I actually just whipped this up in, like, the last 10 minutes here. Uh, I, you guys were, <laughs> like, right before the show, I hopped on. This is inside baseball stuff, but I hopped on YouTube, found the old NWO theme, uh, went to, like, convert YouTube to mp3.org, and I patched that all through GarageBand, so I'm able to uh, have little drops and stuff available to me. Don't I, worry, I'm not going to work the soundboard here, but, you know. A man yep, of many right on. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back on. I've had, I think, we're up to 14 different guests or contestants or challengers, however you want to tag it, and you're the only one out of the 14 who's ever beaten me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, that, that is a testament to your work, sir. Yeah, I don't know about that. But anyways, yeah, let's get started. All right, guys. As you probably remember, you buzz in by saying your name, and if you answer incorrectly, you shall enjoy your Bev of choice. Um, if you buzz in before I finish answering or before I finish asking the question, I will not finish asking until after you have answered, and then your opponent will have the chance if you uh, answer incorrectly. Everybody got Still it? a full match and syllable. I'll be buzzing in as Nick tonight. All right. I'll be going with Chris. Whatever and I have my new y'all. silk pajamas I got in Lexington. Oh, I'm yes, feeling quite fancy. comfortable. Are those comfortable? I am sliding all over the chair. It's oh, beautiful. Okay. Uh, see, you're in your awesome new silk jammies. I'm in these rocking, like, shredded jeans. They're awesome. I'm like, dude, these are the coolest jeans ever in the world. The and only Chris? way it could be cooler is if they were from Buckle. Yeah. What are you wearing this evening, Mr. Nova? I'm, uh, I'm wearing corduroy pants, a uh, Star Wars T-shirt, oh. and my Golden State Warriors hoodie. Original Star Wars? Star Wars. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's the original one. This is like the artwork is um, it's Leia hanging on Luke's leg. So this is before Lucas decided that Luke and Leia were going to be brother and sister when it was still kind of ambiguous. You know, in the first movie, she kisses him. Yeah, a little essential there. Right. You've got this whole, like, um, group of revisionist historians with Star Wars who are like, no, Lucas always knew they were going to be brother and sister. It's so clear they're not, and that's actually why I love this Mm -hmm. T-shirt. Well, to be fair, it was just a kiss on the cheek, so it wasn't like they were tonguing before they went over the platform. No, yeah. no, they were, they were pretty, but yeah, she doesn't they come in. They were practically and kiss first base. Come on, right? First base right. to you is a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> they were it's practically. The it's the context. She's like yes. taken by Luke. She she sort of admires Luke, and at that point, she's still kind of like on the fence about Han. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, This first round is going to be worth one point only because they are super easy. And, of course, most of tonight's questions are history revolved because that is y'all's forte. And, yes, I did just use the word y'all. I've been in Tennessee too long. I'm from Texas. We use y'all regularly, and I have no shame in using it. It's an effective (sighs) word. Nice. I'm Uh, from Pennsylvania, so a lot of times I slip into the yens. Scenario. Yeah, but you know, where where I live in Texas, it's a Coke, whether it's a Pepsi or an orange. It's oh, by the Coke. way, I think we've got someone special calling in if you want to get that real quick. 
Chris, oh, why don't absolutely. you tell um, the listeners what you got coming up while Daniel takes his call? Oh, okay, sure. Um, this week on Don't Worry About the Government, I was just editing the episode today. I've been having some issues with my car, and it sort of uh, delayed the posting of it. I have Sean Frieder, who is, he goes by the Super Nintendo Chalmers of Super Packs. Sean Frieder, a good friend of mine from high school, his career has now taken him to being a campaign manager for Jim McDermott, a sitting congressman. But he has written extensively at the collegiate level on Super Packs and the influence of Citizens United in this post. Wow. In this electoral world, in this particular episode, we talk about his latest work, which centers around how Citizens United has affected Republican primaries in particular. Uh, we, we haven't seen necessarily the impact of money in politics so much on the Democratic side, but you do see it on the Republican side. And Sean breaks down how that works, how that looks, how he thinks that's going to affect the 2016 election. Uh, I love having people, I'm like you, I love having people on the show who are way smarter than me and I try to book that way and then have to do a whole bunch of homework. But this one, dude, was brutal. I had to read like 24-page college paper. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in God. school again. The, the, yeah, I, I love the challenge, though. I'll definitely and, be checking that out. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a good episode. The last couple of episodes have been great, too, and you don't necessarily need to have a college degree to follow along with them. That's not to diminish uh, Jess Chapman or Kathy, uh, but they both, um, you know, they write blogs. Sean's writing you know, college thesis stuff. It, it's a little right. bit harder to digest. You need to have your your reading glasses on. It was a lot of reading. It was. A lot I of think reading. we yeah. lost our caller. Hopefully, don't. Oh, call well, it's oh, oh there, there they are. are. This is our cheering squad. I brought my own cheerleader pool. Oh, okay, so now it's now it's a home court. Yep. My cheerleaders out there? Kasori! Kasori! Saucy! Saucy! You guys are ready you to cheer me on so I can take this fool down? Nick, we are moving furniture and we called to wish you luck because we know you're going to win because you're awesome because you are the saucy one. You're so saucy and awesome. Kasori! Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we've, we've never had a cheer squad before, so. Now no, I'm doing the whole champion. That's, that's I'm what I'm doing here to be. I'm doing the whole rock montage in my pajamas right now. I am pumped up. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, guys. All right. Let's get down to our stack, shall we? <clears throat> All right. Remember, every uh, question this first round is worth one point. Buzz in with your name, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, beginning with history that deals with, of course, February, because that is where we are, or when we are. Which U.S. state entered into the Union on the 14th of February in Chris. the year 19... Chris, go ahead. That is correct. Dang. He is too quick. By the way, everybody out there who wants to pick a side, if you pick Chris, I encourage you guys to drink when he misses a question. If you think I am going to win, we'll have to start putting a survey up for these. Then I encourage you to Absolutely. drink when I miss a question. That'll make the game more interactive and more fun. And if you're like me, uh, you get to drink whenever you darn well please. Yeah, that's the host of That's right. Uh, moving on, in February of 1959, whose plane crashed? Was it Glenn Miller? Carol Lombardi, Buddy Holly, Chris. or Chris, go ahead. Buddy Holly. Damn it. 
That is correct. It was Buddy Ollie. He was on board a plane with Richie Valens and J.P. Richardson, MD. a.k.a. the Big Popper. Mm-hmm. Which famous celebrity succumbed to anorexia on the 4th of February in 1983? Was it Karen Carpenter? Chris. Chris, it go was ahead. Karen Carpenter. Uh, very nice. Uh, which band was featured on the Ed Sullivan Show on the 9th of February in 1964? Chris. Was it? Chris, go ahead. I'm going to say the Beatles. Jeez. I between that and Elvis. Those were two of your possible answers, so, yep. All right, moving on. Who won the first Medal of Honor for their actions on the 13th of February in 1861? Was it Peyton March, William Sherman, Colonel J.D. Irwin, or Tasker Bliss? Nick. Chris. Oh. Nick, go ahead. I'm going to say it was Sherman. That is incorrect. Oh. Enjoy. What are my other three options? That leaves you with Peyton March, Colonel J.D. Irwin, or Tasker Bliss. Irwin. That is correct. Colonel Irwin and a group of men. Sorry, go ahead. I said this is going to be a quick game. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we played uh, 30 or something. Because he's going to get 21 points in like 10 minutes. (laughs) God, Chris, you're smart. <laughs> he remembers these things. I get paid uh, to watch TV all day, guys. So <laughs> there you I'm go. A, I'm a wasteland of useless trivia. <laughs> That's good to know. See, I'm that way with Jeopardy, so don't feel too bad. All right, so far that puts uh, Chris at five and Saucy. I love you. Um, <laughs> Uh, which famous explorer was killed in Hawaii on the 14th of February in 1779? Was it John Cabot, Francis Drake, Charles Darwin, Saucy. or Captain yeah. Cook? Saucy, go ahead. Oh, was it Cook or Drake? Cook or Drake? Oh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with my first instinct, Drake. That is incorrect. Enjoy. I'm going to go with the second instinct and say cook. That is correct. In a series of three voyages, Captain Cook sailed thousands of miles across largely uncharted areas of the globe, and that was the one that killed him. Let's see. Whose manifesto was published on the 21st of February in 1848? Was it Benito Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, Chris, or Carl Marx. Chris, go ahead. That is correct. Before I can even find my little button. Which vaccination was first given to school children on the 23rd of February in 1954? Was it smallpox, measles, Chris, go ahead. Polio. Wowza. All I've got to say. Man, you are going to Jennings on me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, geez, Pete, okay. That's all right. We're, on, we're almost done with the February questions, then we're going to move on to something a little harder here. 
I hope. Um, <laughs> it, it's a matter of, okay, can I stump Chris? Probably not. Because you know I love it when I can stump you guys. But that's my favorite thing in the world. Anyway, uh, Chris, you've got eight, and Saucy will get you on the board yet. Um, which country had a subway crash in February of 1975, resulting in the death of 43 people? Was it France, London, Tokyo, or New York? Nick. Nick, go ahead. I'm going to take a wild guess and say London. And you're on the board. Final. That is correct. That was actually the 28th of February in 1975. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Very nice. In February of 1953, what famous scientific and medical breakthrough occurred? Was it the x-ray machine developed, the first heart transplant, the iron lung was first used, or DNA structure was Chris, Nick. Chris, go ahead. I think that's the heart transplant. That is oh, incorrect. Yeah. Enjoy. I'm doing it. Well, thank you, because that's what I was going to guess. Okay, give me the other three. <laughs> Saucy, that leaves you with the x-ray machine was developed, the what, the iron lung, and DNA structure. Okay, okay. there's no way it's DNA structure. Um, I feel like the iron lung is at, like, pre-20th century. I'm going to say x-ray machine. It's okay. Actually, Watson and Crick made the discovery DNA. of the DNA structure on the 28th of February in mm. 1953. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And last one for February. Uh, which famous building was the site of a bombing on the 26th of February in 1993? Chris. Chris, go ahead. Oklahoma City. That is incorrect. The uh, answers were, of course, the answers were Oklahoma City, the World Trade Center, Buckingham Palace, or Karl Marx's grave. Saucy, okay, which answer? one do you think it is? Oh. I thought you were looking for the building. I thought it was an IRS building or something. Um, which famous building was the site of a bombing on the 26th of February in 1993? World Trade Center, Buckingham Palace, or Karl Marx's grave? I'm going to say World Trade Center. I think that there was a bombing right. there. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, that was the one. Was bin that Laden did that. No, yep. it's Bin Laden. And, or it was yeah, that was, Laden. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that was that one. Left a crater more than 60 feet wide. And at the end of our first round, we have Saucy with Dose. And Chris with eight. Uh, let's move on to historic American events. Nice. These all have to do with things that happened in America sometime way before I was born. Um, very long before I was born. Again, they're all worth one point apiece, as they are, of course, um, multiple, multiple choice. Right. Nice. Chris is like looking at you with one brain tied behind his back. I cannot believe. This is freaking humiliating. I've really got to step it up. Where's my cheerleaders at? Even my cheerleaders um, have abandoned me. They're moving furniture. 
They're moving furniture. All right. Okay. On August 4th of 1964, the United States became involved in a sea battle. Whom were they fighting? Was it Japan, Russia, Germany, or North Vietnam? August 4th, 1964. Chris. And he said a sea battle? Chris. A sea battle. Yes, Chris. Vietnam. Uh, ah, yes, that is correct. My button. Gulf of Tonkin working. resolution. That that is correct. The Gulf of Tonkin. Goodness gracious! Even had the rest of my little fun fact bit. See how he is. <laughs> uh, who guided the Lewis and Clark expedition? Was it Henry Hudson, Daniel Boone? Chris. Chris, go ahead. That's Sacagawea. That is correct. Yeah, I couldn't remember how to pronounce her name, and I was like, ah, I don't want to answer it and sound like a dumbass. I was like, Saska, what? A? Yeah, I had to say it, not Pocahontas in my head a few times, like not Pocahontas, not Pocahontas, not Pocahontas. Second, <laughs> you You could have said the chick on the gold coin. I right. would have taken that. <laughs> now Absolutely. I know. Mm-hmm. There we go. Oh, let me let me interrupt this. Since this is going so quickly. Can we play the 30? Do you have enough sure. material? I have enough material, yes. Are you down with that, Chris? Do you have Absolutely. it in you? Do you have the endurance for 30? I'm a fighting champion. I'm a fighting champion. All right. I, I think enough. we absolutely do. Uh, now, what kind of stinks is my sound maker has died. So, yeah. Oh, well. I'm just going to need some oral sounds from you then. Uh, right. Every once in a while. Um, during the War of 1812, the U.S. heavy frigate USS United States captured which British vessel on October 25th? Was it the Royal Yacht, the Scotsman, the Britannia, or Nick. the Macedonian? Nick, go ahead. The Britannia. Enjoy wow. your drink. Give me the question and the uh, options again, please. I absolutely will. During the War of 1812, the U.S. heavy frigate, or frigate, yes, U.S.S. United States captured which British vessel on October 25th? Was it the Royal Yacht, the Scotsman, or the Macedonian? Nick, you you, uh, answered the Britannia, right? Correct. Okay, good. Uh, The Scotsman. Enjoy. Yeah. No, it was the Macedonian. And the USS United States was armed with a battery of 55 guns, which doesn't sound like much when you think about today. You know? Yeah, that was a lot back in the wooden ship days. Right? Yeah. I mean, really. Alrighty. When did astronaut Alan B. Shepard... And you can give me a year for this. Uh, well, no, well, I'll just give you the answers. Um, yeah, just a year. When did astronauts Alan B. Shepard Jr., Edgar D. Mitchell, and Stuart A. Rusa blast off for the moon aboard Apollo 14? Was it January 31st in 1969, 1968, 1971, or 1965? 1965. Chris. Sorry. 
Enjoy. Uh, Saucy, that leaves you with 1969, 68, or 71. I think... Uh, I don't know why. I, I'm torn between 69 and 71. My gut is telling me 69. I'm going to go with 69. Enjoy. Uh, it was 71. Oh, it was 71. Right. Apollo 14 was the third manned mission to land on the moon. Oh. And that is some stout vodka. Let me tell you what. What kind did I say it was? Like vibe or something? That's some... Oh, it was I'm Apollo like... 11 that lands on the moon. I Man, I got my Apollos out, all out of whack. You do. I do. I always do that. I need to get my Apollo straight. Right? I mean, you know, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about you, but the one downside I've heard about Novembrino is he always gets his Apollos mixed up. Doesn't From know much about NASA. I've researched. It's always about the Apollos with Chris. Absolutely. And I think I'm getting to the point where I'm messing you guys up, so I'm 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 good. Yeah, maybe you need to slow down so you're not, you know, so we can at least understand you. I'm completely understandable. Thank you very much. At this point. All right. Where did George Washington take office as the first elected president on April 30th of 1789? Saucy. Was it? Saucy, go ahead. Philadelphia. Enjoy. Oh, you took the bullet for me. All right, give me those options. Williamsburg, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or New York City? New York City. That is correct. <clears throat> and Washington's tomb can be found at Mount Virginia, or Mount Vernon, sorry, in Virginia. Uh, that puts Novembrino at 11, and Stockton, you've got two. Who shot and killed former black Muslim leader Malcolm X on February 21st, 1965, in Harlem, New York City? Was it the CIA? the New York City Police, Israeli agents, or the Nation of Islam members? Nick. Nick, go ahead. Israeli agents. That is incorrect. Enjoy. This is a great uh, question. I have no idea. Um, give me those options. <laughs> that gives you the CIA, the New York City Police, or Nation of Islam members. Not the CIA. They wouldn't have been that sloppy. So I'm actually going to say Nation of Islam members. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. And he actually, he had a 21 gunshot wound. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They really, really hated him. No, Uh, he died. That's when he died. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was like, "Mm, No. (laughs) All right. Uh, which state declared its independence from England on May 4th of 1776, two months before the Declaration of Independence was adopted? Was it New Jersey, Chris. New York? Chris, go ahead. Delaware. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Oh. Uh, your options, Sasha, are New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, or Rhode Island. Something in my brain pan remembers something about um, Kentucky. I can't remember the backstory. 
I seem to remember something about Kentucky going first. I'm going to say Kentucky, even though it's not one of the 13 colonies. For some reason, Kentucky's okay. sticking to my brain. You realize that wasn't even one of your options. Oh, what? Nice. Even better. So we Kentucky. both did that. Nice. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. the, the, these way too far. Too fast. Delaware's the, uh, the, the first were... state to ratify the Constitution, not to se- not to secede from England. Whoops. See, my first instinct was Georgia because they were kind of like a military type of state <laughs> when they started out to kind of um, now, protect against. So we Florida. both missed this, right? Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. both missed it. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we um, both. Yeah. Now, make the options. Answered seven or elephant. Well, (laughs) Nick, the option that you thought you heard was actually, or that that you, you know, that you actually heard was Connecticut, not Connecticut. But uh, the answer was Rhode Island, the smallest in area. They were just trying Um, to sneak out. They were trying to, you know, England wouldn't even be able to find them on the map, let alone, you know, be able to have retribution of any meaningful way. No, you can't find me. I'm hiding. Okay, uh, let's it's see. It's been a rough week. I'm already on beer four, so I'm already pretty buzzed. Oh, my it's, gosh, really? Yeah, in the last, <laughs> what, what, since we started 20, since we actually started minutes? doing questions, like maybe 20 minutes, I've drank three and a half beers. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. It's been a stressful week. I need to slow down <laughs> if I have any chance of winning. It's okay. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, Salvi, you still got two. And, Chris, you have 12. So we're, we're good. We're having fun. That's the point. On May 17th. Huh? I said, yeah, that's what I'll tell myself. Exactly. On May 17th me. at night. Which, <laughs> on May 17th of 1973, <laughs> the Watergate hearings began. Which president was involved? Chris. Chris. Oh, I think Nikki started first. Go ahead. Nixon. Yes, that is correct. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Okay. An event known as the Super Outbreak began on the 3rd of April in 1974. What was this event? Was it a smallpox epidemic, a conflict with Iraq, a prison riot, or a tornado outbreak? Nick? Nick, go ahead. Man, I should have made Chris answer this first. Okay, give me the choices again. Let me try to logic my way through this. Smallpox, conflict with Iraq, prison riot, or tornadoes? And what was it called? The super outbreak. Okay, I I think smallpox was pretty much a non-issue by the 70s. Oh, God, I'm going to say tornado. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. And here I thought you were going to get that wrong. tornadoes? What kind of framing is that? It was. I know, right? Uh, No, in a 24-hour period, 148 tornadoes touched down, and they caused extensive damage in 13 states. Mm Mm-hmm. They are horrifying when they when they touch down, man. Let me tell you, um, back in back when I, I used to sell magazine subscriptions door to door, I used to travel the country, and we were in Ohio once, and there was a tornado and like this 
insane lightning storm and the craziest like natural event I've ever personally seen is lightning. I was in a van with a bunch of magazine guys and lightning hit one of those big green junction boxes and blue flames in a spiral shot up to the fucking sky. Mm -hmm. And you can almost feel like the hair on your body raise up. Like when you put your hands on that ball at the museum and it, it like, it was the craziest natural thing I've ever seen in my life is this blue lightning shooting up into the sky from this junction box out in the street. And I've, I've heard of something like that happening with, like, the smaller ones that they have for apartment complexes. Because, like, we had one, um, it was behind the apartments when we lived in Corbin. And uh, I can't remember who it was. It was like, did you see that? It looked like there was lightning coming up from it, and it was like, you know, it just shot up from it, and, you know, all the power went out, and it was crazy, and, yeah. You realize how powerful Mother Nature is. Mm-hmm. It was mind blowing. I, I still it was Christian, over man. twenty years ago, and I still have that image in my head of like blue, like almost flames, lightning shooting up right. into the sky. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. Indeed. All right. Uh, so at the end of that round, we have Saucy at four, and Novembrino is holding steady at twelve. It's hard to track talk when you're so far behind, but I'm coming to get you, fool. <laughs> I must read the trash talk while humiliated. <laughs> I have Lucky a similar task. problem. Like, I, I, I don't want to, it, like, it's just, like, not nice to, you know, talk smack. <laughs> I, you know, when, when, that's why you talk smack before the match starts, right? Yeah. You that's that's were why really... you got to get, get in. You got to get it in. Yeah, it was hilarious watching you guys talk smack, really. Dude, I want to talk smack on myself. I'm doing so bad. <laughs> this is freaking horrible. I could, you couldn't even get the, the A in the multiple choice in Chris's not. <laughs> it's it's all right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, uh, this is the presidential round, I think. Mm. Are we on the presidential round? No. Yes, now we're on the presidential if, round. If, if you don't know, who does? Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't know. Yeah, right. And Were no, you trying that, to trick Nick? To say, like, no, oh, sorry. I know what the questions are. No, hey, you, if I knew what the questions are, I would No, 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 I, I'm, just, I'm just razzing <laughs> you. I'm just razzing you. No, the the president round is the, the graphics are messed up. It's not loaded right. So we're going to we're gonna fix that in a minute. We will, this is still, you know, it's still history. Oh, let's see. Who gave the order on February 19th of 1942 to arrest and place Japanese Americans in detention camps? Chris. Was it? Chris, go ahead. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Yep. And less than a month after FDR's death, World War II was over. John McCurdy was the first person to fly a plane in Canada when he piloted the Silver Dart for half a mile over Baddock Bay in what province? Was it Alberta, British Columbia, Ontario, or Nova Scotia? Chris. Chris, go ahead. British Columbia? Enjoy. Uh, Nick, that leaves you with Alberta, Ontario, excuse me, Ontario, or Nova Scotia? Okay, I'm going to knock Ontario out of the park right now. 
So I'm leaning towards Nova Scotia. I'm going to go with my first instinct and say Nova Scotia. That is correct. Had to be on the coast somewhere. Good to bay. Yep. He flew the Silver Dart across Gondor Lake in Nova Scotia in 1909. In 1974, who was kidnapped from apartment number six at 1827 Golden? Go ahead, Nick. That is correct. That was Nick Who appeared in the movies Biodome and Second Best. Uh, angry that the Stanford White had deflowered his wife, Harry Thaw shot him dead at 1906 at a 1906 party on the roof of which Manhattan. Okay. Angry that a Stanford White had deflowered his wife, hey, Harry Stanford Thaw, White? a Stanford White. Mm-hmm. A Stanford White, like ha. a Stanford White person, like a Stanford White. It's yeah. Is his, is his name a Stanford White? No. Oh, no. no. White. Angry that Stanford. Sorry, I'm putting the word a in there. He doesn't go there. Uh, okay. Angry that Stanford White had deflowered his wife. Harry okay. Saw shot him dead at 1906 party on the roof of which Manhattan building? which Stanford had himself designed. Um, so it is the building that Stanford White designed and was killed at. Uh, was it the Yankee Stadium, the United Nations Building, Madison Square Garden, or the Empire State Building? Nick. Nick, go ahead. <clears throat> Nick. I can't imagine it's Yankee Stadium. I'm going to say Empire State Building. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Give me the question again, please. Uh, angry that Stan- basically angry that Stanford White slept with his wife. Uh, Harry Thaw shot him on the roof of this building in Manhattan that okay. Stanford had had designed. Uh, was it Nick? What did you guess it was? The Empire State Building. Yep. Yeah. So that leaves Yankee Stadium, the United Nations Building, or Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. That is correct. And it actually was the second version of the building where he was shot. Yeah, sorry, guys, I mangled that just a little bit. Uh, What folk hero was a real person who died in a 1900 crash in Yazoo County, Mississippi, aboard the Cannonball Express from Memphis to Canton, Mississippi? Was it Daniel Boone, Casey Jones, Paul Bunyan, or John Henry? Chris. Chris, go ahead. Daniel Boone. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Wow, this Uh, is a good question. Saucy, that leaves you Casey Jones, Paul Bunyan, or John Henry? I, I, I know John Henry wasn't real, so Casey Jones or Paul Bunyan? I... Equate Casey Jones with trains. I'm assuming this is a train accident for that year time period. I'm going to say Casey Jones. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. On April 30th of 1900 near Vaughn, Mississippi, John Luther Jones saw another train on the same track, and he sacrificed his own life to save the passengers. Wow. Amazing. 
Yes. Stand-up guy. That's right. Until he laid down. When did Paul Revere begin his famous ride from Charlestown to Lexington, Massachusetts, with the famous warning, the British are coming? It was April 18th. Was it 1775, 1772, 1765, or 1770? Nick. Chris. Oh. Nick, go ahead. 1775. That is correct. Fun fact, before and after the war, Paul was a silversmith. Yay. That is fun. Uh, I'm having hmm? fun just thinking of I said that is fun. It is fun. I'm having yeah, fun absolutely. just thinking about it. <clears throat> nice. I'm glad. That makes me happy to know that you're having fun just thinking about that. Indeed. I'm doing a little <laughs> dance here in my silk pajamas in our bedroom. <laughs> See, that's why we have to do video cat videos now. Yep. Um, let's see, Saucy, that puts you up to eight, and Chris has, <clears throat> Holy crap, I'm actually catching up a little bit. Nice. Just a little bit. Um, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt announced his candidacy for president on January 23rd of 1932, what position did he hold? Was it Senator from New York? Chris. Secretary, Chris. Go ahead. It was Senator from New York. That is incorrect. Oh. Enjoy. Thank you, That sir. means be Secretary easy. of State, Governor of New Jersey, or Governor of New York. Hey, it's got to be Governor of New York. That is correct. Mm. As of 2013, FDR is the longest-serving U.S. president. He served from March 4th, 1933 to April 12th of 1945. Yep. As of 2013, who held the record for the longest reigning British monarch? Was it Henry VIII, Victoria, Elizabeth II, or George III? Chris. Chris, go ahead. I believe it was Victoria. That is correct. Absolutely. <laughs> I can oh, hear him speak most of there. Victoria reigned for 63 years and 216 days. Amazing. I would not want to do anything for that long. In 1945, the United Nations was founded at what city's opera house? Was it Paris, Geneva, San Francisco, or Rome? Chris. 19. Chris, go ahead. Geneva. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Nice. That was what I was going to say. I was torn between that and option number C. Give me the other. Give me all three of them, actually. That leaves you with Paris, San Francisco, or Rome. I know. I can't. I, can't imagine it's Paris. I was leaning towards San Francisco. I'm just going to go and say San Francisco. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. When founded, the UN had 51 member states, and as of 2012, there were 193. What ill-fated treaty was signed on June 28th of 1919? Chris. Was huh. it? 
Chris, go ahead. Treaty of Versailles. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, which Russian revolutionary began his career as a bank robber, taking 375,000 rubles from the state bank in 1907? Chris. What? Chris, go ahead. Vladimir Lenin. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Uh, Nick, that leaves you with Plechenov, Trotsky, or Stalin? Well, it's not Stalin. Um, what was the year again? Uh, 1907. And what was the choices? Plechenov, Trotsky, or Stalin? I'm going to say Trotsky. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Yeah. It was Stalin. Really? Yes. He was alive then. He was, yeah, he was in power from 1922 to 1952. That wasn't that much before. Yeah. I read a book yeah. on Stalin a couple years ago, and I don't remember running across mm-hmm. that in that book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Data in German parliamentary elections on March 3rd of 1933, what percentage of the vote did the Nazi party receive? Oh my God. Was it 55%, 66%, 33%, or 44%? Chris. Chris, go ahead. I am going to say it was B. 66% is incorrect. Enjoy. Uh, Nick, that leaves you with 55, 33, or 44? Uh, I don't know if I want to think they were unpopular at that point. What was the year? 1933. That is very pre-World War II. Um, and what was your, was there a 33%? Was that one of the choices? It was. Okay, I'm going to say 33%. That is also incorrect. Enjoy. The answer was 44%. And to help you get a little bit of perspective, this was in 1933, and Adolf Hitler became the leader of the party in 1921. Really? So just a few years before that, yes. Yep. Yeah, I think there were a lot of parties at that point, though, so that was still enough for them mm-hmm. to have a controlling share of the parliament. Right. All righty. So at the end of this round, we have got Saucy with 10 and Chris with 16. All right. I'm closing. How do you feel that I'm closing in on you, Chris? He's starting to yeah, no, a little I, bit. I did. No, I did. We, we were trading, but uh, we were trading back and forth points there. But I, I noticed that I'm starting to let it get away from me. Obviously, I, I came out real strong at the gate here, uh, and I was up like 8-0. And, and now I'm only up by six, and, and that does sort of worry at me. You're nipping at my heels, and, and I do need to kind of step it up here, get my shit together. All right, indeed. Fair enough. You know, that's okay, because that gives me time to make a second drink. As we get ready for the somewhat short uh, presidential round. Actually, all right, we got 30 presidents. so let's kick it in the gear. Oh, yeah, we've got time. This is all presidents. 
If you hmm? want to leave, oh, actually, we can go, we can go, um, I don't know why yeah, this is go, only, why this is only um, scheduled for an hour and a half. We can go to two hours, so, okay, we still have Anyway, um, each one of these questions is going to be worth two, only because it is not multiple choice, and you must dig the question out of your own brain. Okay. Um, so How therefore, close does it have to be verbatim, the exact answer, or we ballpark? No, of course not. you you got to be ballpark, but if <laughs> the answer is it. green and you say purple, then you're too far away. Okay, uh, so the beginning of this round, Saucy, you have 10, Chris, you have 16, and we shall begin. What is Harry S. Truman's middle name? Chris. Chris, go ahead. Trick question. He has no middle name. The S is something is, he adopted. That is correct. The S is just an S. Wow. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, which former president was rumored to get stuck in a bathtub? Chris. Oh. Chris, go ahead. William I Howard knew. Taft, he in fact had to get his own bathtub built for him. Indeed, yes. That is correct. Uh, what was President Calvin Coolidge's nickname while in office? Chris. Nick. Oh, I think he got you. Uh, Nick, it's Chris. Go ahead. He was known as Silent Cal. Yep. That is correct. Uh, let's see. Who survived four plane crashes? Yeah, I don't know this one. Which president survived four plane crashes? Thinking about it. Chris. Chris, go ahead. I'm going to say Kennedy. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Nick, do you have a guess? Okay. Give me a moment to try to work this out. I don't believe it's anybody in my lifetime except for maybe Carter. I'm going to say it's someone Carter in the four. Um, God. This is hard. LBJ, maybe? Four plane crashes. How could I not know this? Um, Would you like me to save you? To save me? Yeah, you're going no. the wrong way. You're, you're never going to get it. Um, actually, it was George Bush. Yep. George Bush, he was in four plane accidents, plane crashes, and he was fine. Go figure. Um, Only the good die young, guys. That's right. Um, Which president was never married? Chris. Chris, go ahead. James Buchanan. That is correct. Damn it. Ding, ding, ding. Which president was known as Bull Moose? Chris. Nick. Uh, I think Chris got it. Teddy Roosevelt. That is correct. Made his own party in 1912. Split the vote to get Woodrow Wilson elected. Indeed. And the last one in the president's round, because a couple of them were just too easy. 
which president was elected twice for non-consecutive terms? Nick. Chris. Nick, go ahead. Grover Cleveland. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. What? Chris, have you ran for president before? How? What the hell? <laughs> okay, so here's where you're at a disadvantage, man. I... Like, you know how some kids are really into dinosaurs when they're three, four, and five, like when you're younger? I you was presidential trading pre- cards? U.S. presidents. I could tell you the names of the presidents in order from, like, the time I was five onwards. I knew of at least half of those questions. I just couldn't get in under the buzzer. I couldn't get in as fast as you. I mean, yeah, we've got a presidential place, Matt, that has them all on there and what years and, you know, all that good stuff and their pictures and I knew the Buchanan you know, but... one. I knew the Roosevelt one. I, you know, I, I had right. books, and yeah, I just I like presidents. I think they do. They lead interesting lives, or they're interesting characters, and it's just like fun because they are, in a way, a statement of their times. Even you know Chester mm-hmm. A. Arthur's crazy sideburns. That's a statement of like men's yeah. fashion, or Grover Cleveland getting elected twice. And then as you get into it more, they become more of a statement of it. I, I was always really <laughs> fascinated with, and I got to see a documentary on Grover Cleveland's presidential wedding because he got married when he was uh, first in, during his first term, and he got married mm-hmm. to someone who was like. 20 or 30 years as junior, too. It's kind of scandalous, and there's a whole bunch of intrigue around that, too. But they had this presidential wedding, and I, I just find all those sorts of things fascinating. Dolly Madison having to redo the White House. Yeah, the lives of the president. Yeah, the, and they seem to be um, haunted, especially, you know, um, pre-21st century. They seem to be haunted by personal tragedy, too. Oh, yeah. certainly. Franklin Pierce had, like, a number of his children die. That, you know, that yeah, and a train terrific. crash, right? No, no, Franklin Pierce, uh, they, I think it was a train crash because it was uh, 18... Yeah, uh, he was a president said. in 1840. Oh, I thought, you, I thought you said plane. Um, no, no, train yeah. crash. Train, train, yeah. Just, just horrible things mm-hmm. like that. You know, that was an era where it was common to lose two or three of your children. And, mm-hmm. and that was just sort of like a... Part of going yeah, through having children process, yeah, and that that didn't stop at the presidential level either. I, I you right. know, I just think that's interesting. I, I I love that part of American history, and you know, obviously, our more recent presidents you have to look at more through a lens of politics and what's happening in the granular stuff. You know, from Clinton onward, or you know, even Bush or Reagan onward, we have sort of a more current feel to it, but. Looking back at, you know, presidents like FDR that, you know, I wasn't alive to or even that close to being alive. It's all just sort of a lens into the past or a prism into the past. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, guys, uh, this is probably going to be our last round because I'm sure somebody's going to. Yeah. Anyway. um, (laughs) At the beginning of this round. um, No, I'm just. No, I, I've got more questions. These ones are hard. Um, Sweet. Or at least they're supposed to be. Uh, at least that's the intention. Um, but they're going to be worth one. Huh? How bad am I getting spanked? Well, uh, at the beginning of this round, uh, Saucy, you have 12. And Chris has well, well, 26. Well, I, had, I had 12 at the end of last round, and I got a Cleveland question. So I know I got at least thirteen, or fourteen. That would be what is two, two points? points? Yeah. Because I had twelve no, going no, into this you. round. I thought you had ten going into that round. I think I you did, 12. dude. 
I had 10? I thought I had 12. Okay, yeah, whatever. I think you had this... 10 because I marked down two. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Chris has 26. Um, and Saucy has 12. Uh, each one of these is worth one because they're multiple choice again. Um, but hopefully these are going to be a little harder for you because that was the whole point. Anyway, um... So let's have fun with this. <laughs> oh, and they're messing up. Hang on just a second. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. These, these, some of these questions are really having me uh, scratch a monogam. Oh, that's good. That, yeah. That's the whole, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And I'm hoping, oh, God. So, Mr. Novabrina, did you read my post about the break-in I had here? Uh, yeah, I did. So he came into the basement of your house to use the Internet? To steal one yeah. And when I went, walked downstairs, I won't go through the whole story till Sunday, but when I walked downstairs, he was on his knees with his hands up. He had already assumed yeah. the position, which I thought yeah. like was the craziest part of the whole situation. He was like, Someone's coming down the steps. I need to make sure I don't get myself. What is shot. the first thing you said to him? Like, what, what, what was the, the first thing I came at doing in my house? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just want to make sure. Like, like I would have been something like, give me one reason why you're still conscious right now. Because yeah, that's <laughs> that's completely, you know, completely beyond me. I, I would have gone down there, given him like tw- ten seconds to say something coherent for me to not knock him out, and then I would well, have I mean, just knocked him out. He's just like a dumb. 14-year-old kid, but the best part is as we're going through our exchange, and this is like the apathy that can only come with adolescence, he looks at me and he goes, well, this is awkward. You're in Florida, right? (laughs) No, I'm in Tennessee. Oh, you're in Tennessee. Okay, but you guys have, like, stand your ground, right? Oh, there is. Castle doctrine, surely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, but he's he's a neighbor kid. It's my daughter's ex-boyfriend. I mean, you know. You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't go into other people's houses. I don't care. Yeah, that's like never okay. But it's it's crazy now that kids are breaking into houses to steal internet. That's like like an intangible thing. Like I'm here to get the internet. I remember one time. And, um, you know, the only reason that I don't have it all password protected and stuff is because we use so much of our own stupid broadband. Nobody else can. I mean, because we've got, what, three Roku boxes. We've got one, two, three computers, the Xbox. I mean, we're, we're insane. Tablets. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it, not knowing the whole situation, but – like, just from what you presented to me, I don't know that I really buy that he was just there to steal the internet. Well, he had been that's asked what I, yeah. to come up. But, that's, like, it just reminds me, I got a friend named Pickle, and he's, like, this huge crackhead guy. He's been addicted to crack since we were teenagers, which was, like, in the 80s. He's been addicted to crack. And I remember one time my internet got turned off, and I took the laptop outside trying to get a signal. And he's like, dude, you remind me of someone scraping a crack pipe. You're like, <laughs> he's like, you're an addict, just like I'm an addict. And that whole like, scenario just like went through my head. We was like, I'm just here to get the internet, because his parents' internet had got shut off. It was a very surreal situation. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes you just not want to. Yeah. Anyway, it's a real uh, conversation with someone who just broke into your house. It was very. Awful. All right. 
All right, guys. So let's see. Uh, Chris has got 26. Saucy, you've got 12. And Before hopefully he's going to be super man, hard ones. Can you hmm? put on some um, intermission music? I have got to pee. I've been holding it for like 40 minutes. Flip it, absolutely. Like three, give me like two and a half minutes. Uh, yeah. Um, yourself. Well, I, I was going to play our our I Got a Pee song, but for some ungodly reason, I didn't even upload it. So, Chris, what do you think about fracking? Since we're going to be what? talking oh. about it. Oh, fracking. God, uh, you know, living here in North Texas, we're beginning to see frack, frack quakes, I, I think is what they, the term of art. And they're, mm-hmm. they're real. You know, they're happening in towns like Azel, uh, th- places that are close nearby me. I, you know, I'm not actually from parts unknown, despite my intro. I, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And over mm-hmm. the last few years, you, you've seen there was a, one town just south of Fort Worth that had a bunch of earthquakes and they've been doing a whole bunch of hydraulic fracturing underneath the ground there. I, I, I don't think that this is, yeah, you can get energy from this. Yes, it is keeping the cost of gasoline down, but I think the trade-offs, the unknowns, and the real unknown unknowns, this is every bit as dangerous as what happened in Japan with TEPCO and Fukushima mm-hmm. Daiichi, which is something that I follow a lot. There is a sort of complicit... The government covers for these companies that do nasty things to the environment, and the government downplays them. And you see that happening yeah. in Japan right now from the outside looking in. But that's what's happening, too, with fracking. It's not just, yeah. the, it's not just the Republicans, either. A lot of these Democrats in blue states, your Joe Manchin types, they really are all about this idea that this is uh, keeping mining jobs around. They sort of equate it to mining. And, the, again, the idea is we're reducing our energy dependence overseas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's true that, like, we're unfor- – there's various reasons why not. But that we're not ready to get completely off of gasoline, especially for uh, personal transit. But so right. this isn't this isn't the answer. This is not the way yeah. to do it. And the long term penalties for putting toxic water into the ground is having flammable gas water and micro earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what happens to the water in the ground that you know the aquifer level that we'd all depend on in the Absolutely. long term. Absolutely, right. we're having. Um, actually, Oklahoma just had what a hundred and eight mini earthquakes in three days. Yeah. I mean, it's. We're it's actually insane. we'll be talking about this actually Sunday. We're going to have um, yeah. one of the elders from the Lakota tribe on there talking about water rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the yeah, real they're... issue here. Is you know all this water? It just doesn't get talked about. There's water that is underneath the ground that flows freely from property to property, and so mm-hmm. these companies are claiming we have the right to this water underneath us, and historically, that's been true, uh, but right. it, that hasn't necessarily meant that you've been able, no one's ever really gotten at that water before, so right. that, that's one thing, and certainly no one's poisoned the well, so to speak. It, yeah. It's one thing to say you have rights to the water underneath your land. That's if you're going to look at jurisprudence, that's almost certainly true. What you don't have the right to do is poison the well underneath your land. And, and that yeah, because they're everyone. not poisons everybody else's. Yeah, mm-hmm. to prepare for the show, I just um, rewatched Gasland. And, I mean, every time I watch it, it's fucking terrifying. There is one thing that I find really interesting is that all my friends who are lean right or are very far on the right, 
they are all against fracking, and it, but they all deny climate change. And I just kind of feel like, and I don't want to get into a whole Sunday show thing here, but I just kind of feel like because Obama is pro-fracking, they can kind of square it up in their brain fracking's bad because Obama's for it. You, you know, I think it's a little bit different. I think what it is is that with hydraulic fracturing, there's a real direct and immediate cause and effect that happens. Uh, climate change is tenuous. Um, and, and what I don't like about the framing of climate change is that it's moved us away from pollution, which is cause and effect. And so these people who don't get climate change because it is abstract, they can get cement factory out in Melothian, Texas, is spewing up stuff you can't breathe. That's bad. That's poisoning my right. children. I want to do something about that. That's your Aaron Brockovich types. You don't have, you know, and that's the same thing with fracturing or hydraulic fracturing. People see the flaming water. They get it. Why is the water on fire? Well, it's not because of magic or Jesus. It's because, you know, there's all this poisoning going on in the well. And now there's all these chemicals that the companies haven't disclosed. And what's changed? It's not that hard. Whereas climate change is this, the aggregate, uh, the climate change theory is that there's an aggregate sum of pollution that has created a extra layer of carbon around the world, and that is heating up the planet. And you're seeing this as a long trend, and the heating on the planet that you're seeing right now is a very long trend. It's, there's not even a good way for me to put that into a shorter sentence, really. I mean, I probably could have right. you know, I wrote, wrote it out, but it's a broader, more abstract concept, whereas pollution is something that people who don't believe in climate change can touch, hold, and feel in their hands, and they know what that is. Basically, it boils mm -hmm. down to what everything boils down to is the informed and the uninformed is nuance. I think those mm -hmm. people just do not understand nuance. They understand bumper right. sticker wisdom, basically, and nothing else. Absolutely. All right, boys, we have about 15 minutes left before we go into archives, and I've got another round for you. So uh, just to refresh everybody's memory, um, Chris, you have 26. Excuse me, Saucy, you have 12. Ugh. And these will be worth one only because they are multiple choice. Okay, let's do it. But hopefully I can, excuse me, stump you just a little bit. Um, in its only run for the White House, John Bell and the Constitutional Union Party won 600,000 popular votes and 39 electoral votes in the South. They lost anyway. To whom did they lose? Was it George Washington, Abraham um, Lincoln, Andrew Jackson, or Thomas Jefferson? Wow. Whoa. Nick. <laughs> Nick, go ahead. I can't believe it's Washington or Jefferson. Um, I'm leaning towards Jackson. What was the other option? It was Washington, Lincoln. Lincoln, Jackson, and Jefferson. Okay, it's got to be Jackson or Lincoln. Oh, God. For some reason, I seem to remember this being Lincoln, but my gut's telling me Jackson. I'm going to say Lincoln. Fuck it. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Bell was the Speaker of the House for the 23rd Congress in 1834 to 1835. So, yes, it was Lincoln. Nicely done. There. Yeah. In 1985, huh? Yeah. I in 1985, 
Wilma Mankiller became the first woman to lead what Indian nation? Was it the Sioux, the Iroquois, the Cherokee, or the Apache? What year Chris. was this? It was 1985. Chris, go ahead. Oh. I'm going to say the Apache. That is incorrect. Enjoy. Uh, it was 1985. Wilma Mankiller became the first woman to lead what Indian nation? Uh, Nate, that leaves you with the Sioux, Iroquois, and Cherokee. Okay, I'm going to knock Cherokee out of there. I don't think it's Cherokee, or Cherokee, sorry. Um, you said the Sioux or the Iroquois, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Iroquois. That is incorrect. It actually was the Cherokee. Uh, really? The Cherokee Nation ended up filing a lawsuit against Wilma, alleging that she embezzled tribal funds while she was in office. So they were dissatisfied for the first one, with the first woman to lead their nation. Too bad. Okay. You think uh, you would know that? Mm-hmm. How close we are? Do you think I would know that? How close we are to Cherokee, um, Cherokee country? Right. Yep. That's true. Um, during the Civil War, future President William McKinley served in the 23rd Ohio Volunteer Infantry, infantry under the command of what other future president? Fuck, I know that. Was it Ulysses Grant, Benjamin Harrison, Rutherford Hayes, or James Garfield? Grant would be the obvious choice, but I don't feel like... Oh, Nick, I'm going to say it's Hayes. Uh, that is correct. Oh. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Very nice. McKinley was the last president to have served in the Union Army during the Civil War. Assassinated in 1901, right, Chris? Yes, sir. Alrighty. Dang. You guys are like big brain people. Chris got Um. the big brain. I'm struggling just to try to keep up. I just Google. I had Google, okay? <laughs> All righty. Uh, Ulysses Grant, Rutherford Hayes, and James Garfield were three consecutive Republican presidents, all of whom were bearded Union Army generals, and all of whom were from which state? Was it New York, California, Ohio, or Pennsylvania? Chris. Nick. Chris. Chris, go ahead. Ohio. Damn it. That is correct. There's like an insane amount of presidents from Ohio. Mm -hmm. Probably. No, I think Virginia. I think it's like eight or ten. There's a lot of presidents from Ohio. Mm hmm. There are a lot. All righty. Let's see. Saucy, that puts you at 14, and Chris at 27. All right. Um, And my. Oh, sorry, in 1848, Lucretia Mott and Frederick Douglass were among the participants in the Seneca Falls Convention, which advanced what cause? Chris. Was it? Chris, go ahead. Women's rights. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Now, being a Quaker, Mott also did oppose slavery, which was one of the other possible choices. Uh, Let's see. What president's father is credited with coining the phrase, when the going gets tough, 
the tough get going. Was it Franklin Roosevelt, John Kennedy, George H.W. Bush, or Benjamin Harrison? Nick. Nick, go ahead. Okay, I don't know why I did that. Okay, it's definitely not Bush. What were the other three choices? Roosevelt, Kennedy, or Harrison? I can't believe there's going to be two Harrison answers in this game. That leaves Kennedy and who? Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Well, you know who Benjamin Harrison's dad was, right? No, who was his dad? Benjamin Harrison Sr. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I'm going to say Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 that is correct. Now, sometimes the phrase is also attributed to Norwegian-born American football player and coach Newt Rockney, but most people will say that, yes, it was John Kennedy's father. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. On November 6th of 1963, just shy of her 7th... I have to interject here and say you are doing a fabulous job with the sound effects. Much better than your tablet. (laughs) I just want to commend you. You don't get enough uh, accolades throughout the show, so I just wanted to commend you on that. Well, you're just lucky that I'm not drunk enough to sing, okay? Actually, maybe I'm lucky that I'm not drunk enough to sing. You have an amazing voice. Yeah, that's why I'm lucky that I'm not drunk enough to sing. Um, Okay, on November 6th of 1963, just shy of her 17th birthday, what future first lady ran a stop sign in Midland, Texas, and killed one of her classmates? Chris, Chris go ahead. Laura Bush. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. According wow. to the accident report, she was not charged. Imagine that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, we're playing the story, right? Indeed. Is this the game point? This could possibly be the game point. Yes, I just kind of looked down. Uh, let's see. Okay. 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 Here we go. You can do this. Yes. Hold it together, Daniel. I know, right? Uh, as described in a John Greenleaf Whittier poem, in what state did Barbara Fritchie defy Stonewall Jackson by flying the stars and stripes from a window of her home? Was it Maryland, Virginia, Tennessee, or Pennsylvania? Nick. Nick, go ahead. Well, give me the choices again. I'm just trying to get in before Chris. (laughs) Uh, It was Maryland, Virginia, Tennessee, or Pennsylvania. I can't imagine it being Pennsylvania or Virginia. And I'm blanking. I sh- on. Okay. I'm going to say Tennessee. Enjoy. Uh, Chris, that leaves you with Maryland, Virginia, or Pennsylvania. I'm going to say Pennsylvania. That is also incorrect. Uh. Amazingly enough, it was Maryland. John Greenleaf Whittier, for those who don't remember, was an American Quaker poet 
and an extreme advocate of the abolition of slavery in the United States. You think Quaker, you think Pennsylvania. That was Okay. Uh, Here we go. Like retro racism, you know, associate Quakers with Pennsylvania. Was I stereotyping? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's, it's definitely stereotyping. That's the Amish, man. That's the Amish, they, and they do. Okay. They still live there. That's they've been retro. Like, I it, think that's true. They what's do. dismissive a of, lot of Amish to say still that there Pennsylvania. aren't Amish people anymore? That's really rude, and I think that you owe the Amish community an apology right now. Well, the good thing is, is nobody Amish is listening to this podcast, so I don't have to apologize. Uh, everyone always that's likes true. to make fun of how the Amish don't have any access to technology. So cold. Actually, so cold. They, they do. I'm actually working. They no, do, but they simply, no, um, most Amish choose not to use technology. However, they there have it are in their those, well, no, there are those who have um, chosen to branch away from the traditional beliefs and who have adopted certain new technologies. But no, the traditional Amish belief is that no electricity should be used ever. In your no home. photographs should be taken. No, no, no ever. In your home. That's mm-hmm. why they keep electricity and phones and TVs in their barns. No. But I used to live right outside of Lancaster. I used to live. Yeah, in I used to live. I mean, like I was like right there. Like I went to school with the Amish kids. Like they they come to school on the either while. Well, I think some of them came on the bus, but like some of them would come, you know, horse and buggy type, yeah. And they were like, "No, we have." There's, you see down there at that phone pole at the end of the road. There's a phone down there for emergencies. All right, let me do this. Let me level the playing field. If there are any Amish listeners right now, (laughs) call into the show six four six four seven eight three five five four, and I will personally. I apologize to you. I will apologize to fun of you, and I will apologize. No, you know what, man? I'm going to be the Lorax of the Amish people. They can't speak for themselves. I am going to speak for the trees and the Amish. I am here tonight, and I'm not just your intercontinental champion. I am here doing this on behalf of all the Amish people. Well, I, I did not know that that was the chance. I apologize oh, Chris. I hope you Morse code that out to the Amish. or I hope you lo- apologize to the Amish people. That's who I want you to apologize to. I sincerely apologize to the Amish. I hope every I mean, Amish listener out there can find it God. in their heart. I just wanted to apologize directly. I hope some of them will call. Okay, boys. All right. We've got the possible game-ending question here, and and it's even based in Tennessee, sort of, which fits because that's where we're stuck. And I probably know more from Tennessee than anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I'm not from this wretched state. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who quit being governor of Tennessee – so that he could live with the Cherokee, who formally adopted him as a member of their nation. Nick, Nick go ahead. David Crockett. That is incorrect. Enjoy. The answers are Andrew Jackson, Daniel Boone, Sam Houston, or John Brown. 
Chris, do you have a guess? I'm going to say Daniel Boone. That is incorrect as well. It was actually Sam Houston. Really? And he, yeah, he was the only person at that time to have been the governor of two different states. Killed at the Alamo, right? Chris would know that. Oh, my God, I don't. I think Houston was killed at the Alamo, and that's um, they named Houston, Texas after him. Um, if I'm remembering I'm like, I thought Davy correctly. Crockett died at the Alamo. He did as well. Yeah. But I also think Sam Houston died at the Alamo, too, along with I have no idea. Bowie? Not David Bowie. What was the first name? <laughs> David Bowie Daniel Boone? No, no, there's a Bowie in there that died at the Alamo. Yeah, there is. There is a Bowie, yes. I don't know. Uh. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Here's the other one. Uh, who was the only president ever to completely pay off the national debt and leave Chris. the office. Chris, go ahead. Andrew Jackson. Ding, ding, ding. Stop asking president questions. That was Chris, and that is the, um... Oh, my God, you killed Kitty. Yeah, that, you win, dude. That was awesome. Yes, he was the only president ever to pay off the national debt and leave office with a surplus in the Treasury ever in the history of the whole freaking country. And we are off live, so, and I didn't even notice that that was happening, but that's okay. Chris, I bow to your intelligence. Once again, you are the only person who has beaten me twice. I have got twice? to study up. Do we do the next show against Chris, um, like on comic books or something? Something I have, like, a on. <laughs> Man, I, I'm telling you. Well, I don't know. You you slaughtered Alana. That was that was harsh. Mm. Yeah, we had I Alana mean, Smith being the nerds on here playing me in comic book trivia. Like, yeah, she was the comic book nerd. And, comic book nerd, and it was mm-hmm. Well, see, that's the thing it about was. you, man. You you are a you're you're going into people's sort of wheelhouses, and you're you're. You're punching up, and, and I, I respect that. I do. I respect that a lot. Oh, I'm a big history buff, dude. So it's not like exactly outside my wheelhouse. No, I know, but like, <laughs> oh, go, yeah, like you do the comic book thing. What I was trying to say is like, you know, you can probably do you go into a movie game, or you can go into a comic mm-hmm. book game, and and that sort of thing. And I I, I admire your well-roundedness. Yeah, anything with sports. Anything with sports. Like on the UK talk we had earlier, anything for, except for sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, it's like history. We've got, you know, documentaries on the War of 1812 and American Revolution and you name it. I mean, and he's had me sit and watch these things. And, uh, fortunately, history happened to be one of those classes that I actually enjoyed because they always had me read aloud because I was the only kid that could actually pronounce everything. So, oh, speaking of interesting things that happened, we weren't just thinking, but I had to tell you about this. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, Chris. It's this huge thing right now. Well, not huge, but it, it was big enough that Christopher Titus put it in his podcast. Um, apparently, there was a snake handling preacher. Who died? Right, that, up, yeah, right up the road from here. Yeah. A, we're talking like half an hour, maybe. Like, nice. Literally, you, 
you drive past where I work and keep going for about 20 minutes, and you're there. Did you say uh, you work with people who went to that church at some point? No, no, no. I, I work with people who know them. Um, and I work with people who used to go to the church until the snake guy got there, and then they stopped going there because they don't believe in the snake thing. Um, but they said that, you know, he'd been bitten before, um, like on his finger, and he had refused treatment, and it, like, rotted off or something nasty. Um, and then this particular case, they had paramedics there on the scene. He had been bitten. He refused treatment. And then he went home, and they came to check on him later, and he died. And he refused treatment um, there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and he he had all the licensing that was necessary, whatever licensing is required for that sort of thing in this state, um, which was why the authorities left him alone for the most part, because um, he's got this huge pit underneath, built underneath the church to house these snakes. Um, and his son has said, you know, that he's going to take over, he's going to do this, because that's what he believes, and he's going to keep doing it as long as, you know, God sees fit to have him there or whatever. And uh, the authorities, I guess, are looking into it. Let me just say this. I'm not particularly a religious person, but I do respect his commitment. Like, to the very end, his faith is not commitment. That's a lot of commitment. That is... That is absolutely that, commitment. Oh, it's commitment. No, no. You lose a that's limb the old you story. to it? That's, you ahead. put aside rationale and the survival instinct to say this, uh, like, omnipotent being that may or may not exist is going to come no. down and save me from, like, the science of this venom destroying no, my body? No, that's part of it. That's absolutely commitment. It may seem insane Haven't to you. Have you ever heard the story? Okay, there's this short little story. It takes, like, two minutes. I so know, I know. I sent Two boats and a plane. Yeah, I get that. Right. Okay, well, here's the thing. If there's some omnipotent being with some sort of consciousness who who deigned to create life, he's also going to give them the common sense not to go and try to kill themselves in his name. Now, why we still do it is beyond me. No, I think you're missing a key thing here. If you believe in God, if you believe in God, then the, where you got that belief from is this thing called the Bible, which you believe is mm-hmm. the inerrant word of God. Well, there's this passage that these snake people read and go, this book is the literal word of God. It says that God will keep me safe from serpents and snakes. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know what's in there. Right. And that's yeah, what they're yeah, working on. But, but like the, that all starts if you believe in God. So you can't. The the whole thing that they always sort of knock people outside the faith is you, so they sort of have a buffet take on the faith. You come in and you take the stuff you want and you don't take the stuff you don't yeah, want. Well, if you believe really? in God, well, where you got that from is the Bible. And you assume mm-hmm. that the Bible is inerrant. Like, that's where it all strings together. So, I mean, to me, it, I, I don't believe in any of that. So, But I yeah. get where these people are coming from, they're saying, I truly believe in God. That means I truly believe in the Bible. That means I truly believe everything the Bible says. And that's why I'm going to handle these snakes and hope yeah. Jesus keeps me safe. I can respect but what they're forgetting and what always gets me is that also in the same Bible, God specifically says, don't demand of me. Do not command me to do anything. That's sitting back and saying, I know he's got my back. 
I trust him. No, but it's not. It's saying, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm going to handle these things, and you're going to protect me. That's not how well, it works. That if you trust him, that this will happen. That's like the whole just, thing is I, like. I, it, I just think the whole thing is retarded. Trusting God, you will beat Goliath when faced with him. With a slingshot, you can take down monsters. Trust in him, and if you run away, you won't get turned yeah. to salt, but your, li- your wife might because she didn't. Like, that is the morality play being worked out inside the Bible there. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of those things where you I wouldn't purposely put yourself in harm's way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm real anti-corporation, especially like huge multinational mm-hmm. corporation. And over the last few years in particular, I've become kind of anti-religious. Where I used to kind of be like, hey, you know, if it's organized, organized, yeah, thank you, organized religion. Where I was kind of like before, like, hey, let them, you know, if that's what makes their life better, cool. But until they kind of went on the attack, I feel, with the extreme right over the last few years. But the point I'm getting to is I had a conversation with my half-brother, Steve, and we were talking about Chick-fil-A. And I was like, you know, I respect the fact that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday and they put something before the almighty dollar. Even though I'm not religious, I can respect the fact mm-hmm. that they're putting anything beyond the almighty dollar. And his reply was, well, you know, they're doing a disservice to their shareholders. They're anti-capitalist. If they were truly capitalist, if they were truly American, they would be down with being open every day of the week, even if it went against their religious convictions. So it kind of put me in this place like, who do I defend? Do I defend the corporation or do I defend religion when I'm in the outs of both of them? But I'm like, this is always a struggle, right? Because he's not religious. So this is always a struggle, it seems like to me on the right in their faction. It's this struggle between like completely like capitalism run amok or extreme religion, like evangelicalism run amok. And that seems yeah. to be the big polarization within the Republican Party. I know we've turned this into a political show, right, Chris? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine to hop into that for a second here. I, I think that that's not inaccurate. You have sort of the one side uh, sort of represented by Rand Paul, Rand Paul representing a neo-isolationist, although still religious. Rand Paul is pretty religious and puts religiosity ahead of things. Uh but then you also have your sort of more neoconservative division, and, and those people, you know, I, I guess to your point, you also then have the capitalism versus religious thing, but they're generally not at odds with each other. I, I think that Chick-fil-A, what you observe there, it, it's it's a notable one, but it's one of the notable exceptions where religion and commerce have really sat in dissonance with one another. I mean, I a lot of what you think. I think they have I an think a lot of I think a lot of religions against like Obama. Okay, I, no, okay. I, I think they're united in their strife against Obama, and they have an unle- uneasy reliance. And like, okay, yes. you're yes. pro the root of all evil, the lust of money. I'm pro like religion fanaticism, almost to taken verbatim the Bible. But we're going to unite because Obama is the greatest evil. Yes, I, I see what you're saying there. There is. If you really talk to people in the religious community, they do they don't trust capital, and that's where you're seeing this sort of anti-crony capitalism movement, typified by guys like Timothy Carney, who writes over at the Washington Examiner. They are cynical about how business works because business doesn't care about anything other than what business wants. Now, where they've been sort of 
hoodwinked has been in this globalization, in these free trade deals, which have really just been at the service of big business and who don't care about people. Right. And also just you know the move towards the multinational corporation that's happened. You know they elect Republican presidents. Look, looking at this from the religious person's perspective, they elect Reagan because they trust Reagan on religious issues. But Reagan opens up the back door to big business run amok, and you definitely saw that with George W. Bush. They feel way more comfortable with George W. Bush on religious issues than they would have with Al Gore or John Kerry. But George W. Bush opens it up for all these oil companies who go and defile the earth, which sits in dissonance with a religious worldview that you see now in evangelical communities that says you should protect the earth. It's, you know, that's an open debate inside of the evangelical Why faith. do you think a corporatist like Romney got the past on being a Mormon? When I grew up my whole life, I used to date a Mormon chick. He did He got the past. past. It was no, like, kind of like... Define the past. Some... Are you saying that he got, he got nominated, or are you saying that he got through the nomination process easy? Because I feel like they threw every single monkey wrench in his path. It was like a game of Mario Kart, and they're shooting green shells at him the whole time. I feel like it was a very select group of religi- religious leaders who came out against them, but I feel like the average Christian in America was like, oh, yeah, Mormons are Christians. I mean, I heard that no, during the campaign, no, and I even some posted people, something man. on Facebook after the elections that was like, hey, um, question of the day, is Romney no longer a part of like the Christian club now that the elections are over and you don't need his Mormonism to like defeat the evil Obama? Like, I definitely felt like, Ro- like Romney got a pass on his Mormonism as long as he was going to displace the evil Muslim Kenyan Obama. <laughs> I definitely, um, personal experience, saw that. Saw people, have, I have religious people, like friends who are deeply religious, friends who have gone on missionary missions that were able to give Romney a pass and be like, well, the election, you know, Jesus doesn't have anything to do with which oh, toothbrush that's I evil, you know. Right, like I actually had someone say, like, Jesus has nothing to do with which brand of toothpaste I buy. So in this right. position, Romney's Mormonism has nothing to do with which president I elect. I can put that aside politically and separate and compartmentalize those two and, and able to get through this to get Obama out of office because he's the Antichrist. Here, I I'm going to give you these, this. There's a little. Here's some old numbers. Um, but but these I think you're telling. This is from 2007, so it is different. You know, we have had Mitt Romney run a few times, but th- this I think sort of tells you it all. Candidate liabilities. 25% say they are less likely to vote for a Mormon, and 5% say they are more likely to vote for a Mormon. So it is it is a negative asset, uh, and that's why you saw your Rick Santorum, Newt Gingrich. Not no, right, but, but like in the primary anti-Obama. process, in the primary process, it was every anybody but Romney. But no one was able to reach critical mass, and all of the anybody but Romney candidates were fundamentally flawed in certain ways. I, I've, I've got to disagree. I mean, you could have had um, which with which part? Oh, give me Herman Cain, New Gingrich, true, sweater vest Magoo. You could have had Huckabee Mike Huckabee wasn't him. running. I thought he was primaried. No, was not, in not in 2012. Not in 2012. Gotcha, gotcha. You got Santorum, you got Newt, you got Herman Cain, you've got uh, who, Tim Pawlenty. Donald Trump. 
I mean, tell me who's the guy who was going to knock off Romney. But they, those guys were still ponying up like 40-something well, percent of the vote. Forum had a little bit of uh, momentum to a point. He was the last guy. He was the last Indian after all the other... It's like Mega Man. When you've beaten all, like, six or seven of the other bosses, he was just the only guy left. I just kind of felt like people put the Mormonism to the side. And I used to confront people over... Danielle, you remember on Election Day, we went Mm -hmm. out and I stopped a priest or a preacher and I was like, Hey, how do you feel about Romney and his Mormonism? Because he was running a Republican. And, And a fun fact... We went to vote, and out of like maybe 12 offices that people were running for, and I'm talking about local offices, there was only one Democrat running, maybe two independents, and the rest were Republican. And there was people running who had posters up, who had billboards and signs up, who were running against nobody. And I was like, yeah. I don't understand. Why are you campaigning? You're running on a post. Who, who are you campaigning against? Why are you spending money to campaign? Because well, it's I business, stopped. man. You- a, a preacher There's a business was, in campaigning. Who, well, not in this small town. There's no business tied up. Oh, they're always like, it's printing signs. It, 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 you are making work. It's a make-work project, but it is work. Printing signs, right. making T-shirts. There is yeah. money to be made in campaigns, no matter how small. Even the Republican preacher that was running in pro-Romney was like, I, like, he couldn't give me an answer to the question. Like, how do you square this up? that you are endorsing Romney, and he's a Mormon, and you're a Christian preacher. And he's like, well, you know, I I don't think in those terms. I think outside of that. So definitely, like, my personal experience is I found a lot of people who could compromise their religious faith to kind of push Romney through to displace, to get rid of the threat of Obama. I mean, I've got people – I know personally people who think Obama's the Antichrist. I know personally people who think Obama's a terrorist. And I just thought it was nutty the compromises we're willing to make with something that's deeply rooted in us as religion just to displace Obama, who's seen as this huge – the other day my dad said he would vote for a child rapist, a child molester over Obama. And I was like, are you just being a fatic? Are you just trying to prove a point? He's like, no, I would vote for a child rapist over Obama. Because a child rapist wouldn't destroy the U.S. I think he was trying to be emphatic. I mean, like, that's that's just hypothetical nonsense. But I'll I'll tell you this. I'm not that surprised to hear in America people are choosing the lesser of two evils and thinking in the framework of the lesser of two evils. That's how American politics, unfortunately, works. Well, we only vote against. We don't vote for, right? We're never engaged to vote for. We only say, I'm going to vote against this guy with my vote. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a statement with this guy to vote against. When was the last time you heard anybody go to the poll to say, I'm voting for this guy, except for maybe um, in 2008 with Obama the first time around. Right. You had some people that were inspired. But outside of that, I mean, we vote against. But your landslide was a group of people against what Bush had been doing and, like, the, the, both the domestic and foreign policy approach of that presidency. And that is what really gave that Obama that landslide feel where he just won just a ton of states that Democrats – heretofore hadn't been winning. And let me make one more statement, and I'll bring this up on our Sunday show when we have the Knights of the Political Roundtable, but this is something that happened to me this week I found fascinating. I've got a buddy, Bobby, who's a Republican, very right-leaning, and I'm very religious, and he has been hospitalized for the fourth time. It's due to his weight. It's due to his diet. 
And the doctors told him, look, the food you're putting into your system is poison. It's crap. And he got on there and he said, he put a post. He said, you know, I used to never want to get involved in things like this. But when is the government going to stop poisoning me? And I put a post up there and I was like, you know, it's not like the food's coming out of the factory healthy and, and Obama's going behind with an eyedropper and putting mercury in your food. The food's coming out unhealthy because your party is screaming for deregulation to the point where it's mm-hmm. killing us with food and climate change. And it was just funny, like, he has such this block where he cannot say, when is the government going to regulate the food better so I don't have these health issues? Well, where's because the personal then, of course, choice in that? Of course, you're a uh, fucking America-hating, freedom-hating socialist if you say something. You're an Obama-loving, freedom-hating socialist if you say that. So the only thing he could do to rationalize it is say, when is the government going to stop poisoning me? Like the onus is on them. Like they're personally going in and poisoning you. And I just found it funny that people have such a barrier that they cannot get beyond it, that they have to say, when is the government stop, is going to stop poisoning me? Because they cannot find it within them to say, when is the government going to regulate our food better? Isn't that the problem with the right? Is that they are so closed-minded, they are so artificially like inseminated with this idea that I cannot say anything that may be seen as pro-socialism or big government, that they can't even defend themselves, even against the corporations, when it comes to something as important as the longevity of their life. I think that what you're seeing there is a failure to fully internalize the pro-choice narrative and the personal choice narrative that is really key to the Republican vision of the country. And your friend shouldn't have been eating shitty food. And he failed to make the appropriate choice multiple times. Every day he chose to eat shitty food and not exercise. These are choices. And life, uh, you know, to get super kind of philosophical, because Soren Kierkegaard talks about life as a series of choices, and I basically agree with that. And your friend failed to make a number of personal choices. And you might go, oh, well, I have a predisposition to health. Well, then you could have went to a doctor at some point and gotten that under control before it had spiraled to this point. There but that's the starting a, point, right? That's the starting point. But what you're failing to realize is he's not – he has to assess blame because he can't take responsibility himself. Why is that well, blame placed on the issue. government and not placed on a corporation that is actually poisoning them? If somebody is more culpable in this situation, it's that definitely corporation the corporation. didn't put the food down his mouth. He put right, the food down his mouth. Right, but if somebody is more culpable in this situation, it's the corporation versus It's not the person. In the, in the case of food, man, it I is, really think it, it, it is. is you person. buy the food. You buy right, the it food. It is the person, but if you're going to deny personal responsibility <laughs> – Who's the next link in the chain? Is it the government or is it the corporation that's lobbying to deregulate? If you're going to deny personal responsibility, then you're just fucking wrong. Like, like that's, that's where it starts, and then you can talk secondarily. And if we're talking on a secondary level, I guess the government should be overseeing food better. But, like, Twinkies are bad for you. Hell, cake that's made with all-natural ingredients is bad for you. Mayonnaise that's made of, like, all-natural ingredients, oil, eggs, etc., etc., that's bad for you if you eat you know, bad, bad mayonnaise or a lot of mayonnaise. Like, I really do think that in the case of food and obesity, man, it's, it's like, self-inflicted. That's like saying cigarettes. I agree. Cigarettes should be better. No, narrative my, as a push against the government unreasonably more than a push against the corporations. Like, when I have a lot of friends who are on the right, and they take it so personally. 
If I just like the Chick Fil A example I gave you, they take it so personally if you say anything negative against a corporation, and it always boils down to it's the government's fault. They can never say it's the corporation's fault. They are such they are so programmed, embedded with capitalism. It's like it's always the government. It, it, like if the government's failing to act, it's the government. If the government's acting, the government's acting too much. I just have a real problem with people's go-to always being the government. It's the government. The government's evil, and never ever focusing on corporate responsibility or the, all the games corporations play, or the litany of lawyers they have, the army sure. they have at their disposal to kind of subverse anything that the government can do. It just well, really the, irritates me when people's go-to is, yep, Obama, Obama, the government, they're killing me. I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I can't, what I think the big issue is, you know, to give my quick stump speech, I think the big issue is the myopia on really on both sides. And I, I do sincerely hate people who do false equivalencies, but this is my personal experience. So, There's a myopia right? between Democrats and Republicans to really understand that what's happening with our deep state, which is that corporations take over, get involved in the elections, and insofar as they do that, and then control sort of the donation process and the lobbying process, they have captured control of government. So Democrats and, and, and people who kind of are left-leaning, what they fail to realize when they think about you know government doing stuff is that they're not getting that, like, when you say government does stuff, what you're really secretly saying is, I want corporations to do stuff, but instead of just having corporations do stuff, I want corporations to write laws laws so that they're guaranteed that they can do stuff. And this is what happened with the, the Affordable Health Care Act. You, you had the, the Affordable Care Act. You, you had basically the lobby through Max Baugus. Um, all these insurance companies, former lobbyists, I think it was like 28 or 30 of them, wrote the legislation that came out of Max Baucus's office, he's an outgoing senator, he was a member of the Gang of Six, but that's the legislation we know as Obamacare, you really should be calling it Baucus-care. That is how, that's what happens these days. Business controls government, and there isn't that, there isn't that separation. There should be. There ought to be. So the idea of having more regulation, here's where that goes south. When you say you want to have more regulation, that's great, except that the regulation isn't being done in this vacuum free of lobbying and free of congressmen who are affected by electoral pressures and, you know, Citizens United and campaign financing. It all intertwines. And so those regulatory boards a lot of times are filled up with people from the industry. It's called the revolving right. door where you have, you know, people from the industry who are overseeing mining who used to work in the mining industry and they're going to go back into doing that. And that really happens in the financial sector of oversight, which is why financial oversight is really, it's hard to find good regulators. Good regulators are hard to find and good government is hard to staff in this money and politics world that we live in. So I, that's what I think that that's what I think the issue is, and I, I don't think I think what it is is uh, the analogy that often gets brought up is the elephant, and what you have are three blind men t- grabbing this elephant, but they're each feeling a different part of the right, elephant, right. And, and they're describing they're describing a different thing. But I think that the elephant is that that business controls government, and that ultimately when you get down to it, that's why parties aren't very different. That's why elections. Matter-ish don't really matter. I mean, there's an agenda that is going to get done or not done, and that's that's. But you're that. talking about entrenchment, like you said the other week on Bear Man. 
um, when I called in. I thought this was really smart. She said the NRA doesn't represent the gun owners anymore. They represent the gun manufacturer. But, oh, boy, if you was to actually say that to a diehard owner, you would get an earful. I mean, they would never want to hear that their precious, coveted NRA is not backing them in their corner 100%, that they have some kind of corporate or monetary interest. So, I mean, it's all about, like, it's the narrative among all of us. How do you break that mindset? I don't know. I, I mean, you try to get the information out. You try to explain to people other parts of the elephant. And, that, I mean, that's that's what I try to do. I, at this point, I have no delu- – I don't want to run for office. I really – I like hosting a show. I like interviewing cool and interesting people. I like doing radio, and, and I just – I really enjoy doing this. But – the, the the main thing is you just got to get the other parts of the elephant out to people or explain what the elephant really is. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. We got two minutes, so let's end on that note. But um, you will be back, what is it, the 16th? No, no, the 9th. You will be back on the 9th, and we are going to do our Knights of the Political Roundtable, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. We're having author uh, Michael Bushman on from the book 2040 and 2041, which and he has spent his life in politics in Washington. We're also going to have my buddy, rocket scientist Jason Budd, coming, calling in from Chicago. And, of course, the Honey Badger and me and the five of us are going to go toe-to-toe and talk about some real issues. Can be awesome. All right, Great. Chris. Thank you for once again humiliating me and whooping my ass. <laughs> Let's play do we have some... time for me to do some plugs real quick? Do some plugs real Absolutely. quick. Absolutely. Sure. You got one minute. Ladies and gentlemen, please go over to don'tworry.tv. I remain your defending intercontinental champion of news, politics, and history. Go to don'tworry.tv. Follow me on Twitter at Chris, T-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. That's at Chris Novembrino. And you can follow the show at D-W-A-T-G. I want to thank you guys so much for having me on. I want to tell anyone out there that if you want a piece of this, if you want to go up against the champ, I'm right here. I'm ready and I'm waiting for you. Thank you <laughs> I again, think the guys. bear man needs to go against you. How can we make that happen? Oh, God, I would love that. Uh, I, I, what you need to do is put the pressure on him. Okay, that I think I'll fun. have to call into the show sometime yeah. in the next couple of weeks and definitely call in, call in and put call the screws to him. Yes, Mr. T-Style, Rocky Three. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> All right, we're going to end on some Even Steven office politics. If you like what you hear, jump over to Amazon, early morning punk songs. We will check you guys out Sunday.